It's called the Elul Nigun. And it's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSpiegel.com and the NachumSpiegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Eitan Katz and the Elul Nigun. We are dedicating it to Rabbi Mark Wilds. Why? Because Rabbi Mark Wilds' brand new book fits in perfectly when we play the Elul Nigun. Rabbi Mark Wilds is founder and director of the Manhattan Jewish Experience, MJE. He has released the book entitled The 40-Day Challenge to Spiritually Prepare People for the High Holidays. Each chapter is a daily spiritual lesson culminating with Yom Kippur, the most religiously significant day on the Jewish calendar. The book draws on ancient and classical sources like the Talmud and Maimonides, historical lessons from Abraham Lincoln, Alfred Nobel, and the Holocaust, as well as discussions of contemporary cultural icons like Super Bowl champion Tom Brady and the Bachelorette winner Zach Clark. The book is called The 40-Day Challenge by Mark Wilds. A pleasure to welcome you back to JM in the AM. Thank you for having me. It's such an honor. Good morning. I appreciate that, and great to have you on. I mean, Tom Brady can be in a book <laughs> Can be in a book about preparing for the high holidays? Listen, Tom Brady, uh, first of all, thank you, and it's such an honor and pleasure to be here again. Sure. I, I talk about Tom Brady because Tom Brady, even after winning six Super Bowls, do you know what he did to prepare for the seventh? This guy sent scouting tips and films to his players at all hours of the night. He followed this crazily strict diet, sleep and workout routine, never veered from it, wake up at 5.30 in the morning. And even though his, um, the, the game was in his hometown in Tampa Bay, his family moved out for the two weeks before the game so he could prepare without any interruption. We can learn a lot about preparing. Wow from Tom Brady. And uh, there's a great line, by the way, from Rabbi Salavechik, Zechotel Gavracha. He said, there can be no holiness without preparation. Aim Kedusha Beli Hachana. And uh, I feel that, and there's a reason I wrote the book, is because I feel like we just show up often on the high holidays. Yeah. Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, we just go, and we kind of are expecting some magic to happen, but we have to prepare ourselves. Uh, Thomas Edison Famously said, genius is 1% inspiration, 99% perspiration. So we got to perspire a little. All right. A million things I got to tell you now based on what you just said. First of all, uh, everyone knows that, you know, <laughs> Tom Brady's the bane of my sports existence because I'm a Jet fan. <laughs> nonetheless, <laughs> nonetheless yeah. I, I have to join you in praising him because I remember one night, one Thanksgiving night, I was there when he destroyed the Jets uh, in, New, mm. in New Jersey. And the next morning, I'll never forget hearing about this, the next morning at 6 a.m. in Boston, he was already in the practice facility. Because yeah, you know, to be the first one, I mean, and, and think about it, if the game ends at midnight, he probably, he probably got there and went straight to the stadium, you know, uh, yeah. Slept, yeah. slept a little bit on the plane, I, I would assume. But that was it. It was not just preparation. It was an, in, an in, and still continues to be, still playing, an intense, round-the-clock um um oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Obsession. A round the clock obsession with doing what he wants to do as best as possible, which is pretty uh, amazing frankly. Also, I you know, it's funny you talk about showing up. And I know that I've had the pleasure as you know and the privilege of leading services in Staten Island at the New Springville Jewish Center. It's now going to be I think our our 38th year 
uh, in a row of being together with the uh, with the congregation, which is pretty amazing. And this year, I think we're back in the regular synagogue instead of the spacious Barnes and Noble that we had to go into last year because of COVID. I can only imagine mm-hmm. what you went through because of COVID. We'll talk about that in a, in a couple of minutes. Uh, but people say to me, you know, like they'll see we so, see me with a machzer, you know, a day or two before Yontem, and they'll say, you still have to look at it? You still, you know, you, you basically know the davening by heart at this point. And, and what you just said is so true. It has nothing to do with preparing to make sure I know the tunes. Thank God I know the tunes of Nusach New Springville, as I like to call it. But it's just <laughs> getting into that frame of mind. It's just not walking into Mincha on Erev Rosh Hashanah and saying, okay, let's snap our fingers and get into the mood. You need to just immerse yourself, even if it's, you know, a little bit of a shallow immersion, even if it's an immersion. Yeah. Uh, you know, I know you know exactly what I'm saying, but I am appreciating, yeah. um, you know, how, how you're presenting this about the perspiration and the preparation that's necessary. Mark Wilde is with us. By the way, that, that, that ha- I mean, I assume that's the reason that the 10 days of repentance have a 30-day preparation period, right? I assume that that's how the whole Elul concept started, right? The whole Elul concept started, and, and by the way, I don't know how many people are even aware of this, that, about how Yom Kippur came to be Yom Kippur, right? Because Moshe comes down from Harsinai, and he sees the Jewish people sitting with a golden calf, right? And that's Yudzayin Batamuz. Right. So then he smashes the tablet, spends how many days with the Jewish people, pleading for God for a second chance, right. 40 days, right? Yep. The day that, Mo- that God calls Moshe back up to give a second chance is Rosh Chodesh Elul. He spends 40 days, 40 nights on Har Sinai, right, getting the second set of tablets, which represents the second chance, comes down 40 days later, Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur becomes the holiest day of the year because it represents the day that God started over with us. And I just think such a powerful, powerful idea. We go through this every year where we get called up for a second chance in Rosh Chodesh Elul and Yom Kippur. We've got that, you know, we're wrapping up, you know, the second opportunity we have to reconnect with God after we've messed up. And that's Judaism. It's always about coming back. Yeah. Pretty amazing. It really justifies not that they need my uh, <laughs> not that they need my stamp of approval, but it really um, it not just justifies, but it really it, it helps us understand why our Sephardic friends are saying slichos for the entire month, because we yeah. get we get into higher gear, you know, a, a few days before Rosh Hashanah when our slichos you know services begin. But they understand that from the beginning, just like we blow shofar at the start of Elul, they are going to say slichos and get to shul really early at the start of Elul. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, uh, <laughs> they're they're making a little more sense than we are. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, I don't want to get my Ashkenazic friends upset. Uh, the forty day challenge is the book by Rabbi Mark Wilds, Daily Jewish Insights to Prepare for the High Holidays. All right, so we're getting the idea every single day. People will read, and you know, and and uh, whether it's traditional Jewish sources or whether it's people who've appeared on television or whether it's great scientists or presidents, there'll be some message during each one of these forty days. Now, do your messages get more intense as one goes through the forty days? Can can one see a message of Rabbi Wilds and say to themselves, "Oh, this is an early Elul message," and see a different one and say, "Oh, this one's a uh, a ten days of repentance message." Yeah, I mean, uh, you you described the trajectory of the book pretty well. I start a little lighter, um, a, a revolving around a lot of the themes of the great Rambam, Maimonides, Hilchos Deus, which is uh, his treatise on personality development. I talk a lot about 
just cultivating the right kind of character traits. I would say the first probably 15 to 20, you know, entries in the book, um, one theme, making music with what remains, uh, finishing what we start, learning how to smile, just play the ball, not the person. Uh, I've got a lot of different entries. And then as, you go, as we start hitting Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, I'll start talking about the themes in the liturgy, about forgiveness and about sin and atonement, and, um, and really um, the power of change, uh, essentially. But, you know, I think like everything in life, you need to start putting one foot before the next and easing our way into things, because I think it's just it, it freaks people out too much to jump right into that whole sin and forgiveness thing right. that comes later. Uh, is Elul, and I'm, and I'm asking this because uh, there are a couple of episodes that I've heard about um, that reflected, and I'm curious how you'd react to it. Is Elul about fear? Would you say it's about fear that, the, that there's a certain uh, a cloud over the Jewish world knowing that we are going to face God as close as we can as we approach uh, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur? No, I, I think Elul is more about love because the acronym Famously, Elo Anila Dodiva Dodili, I'm for my beloved, my beloved is for me. Um, uh, the other acronym, Chazal, uh, our sages state about Elo is Ishla Reyehu Makanat Levionim, one man is fellow and gifts to the poor, which of course is the source from Mishloch Manon on Purim. Those two famous lines uh, explaining what Elo is about are all about our relationship with our fellow human being and our love for God, not about fear. Um, the, the, you, you have to start understanding in terms of the, 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 the spiritual connection we want to develop with Hashem, the opportunities that we all have by being Jewish and observing the mitzvot. <clears throat> and I'll tell you one other great teaching that I have in the book. Spell Elul backwards. Yeah. What do you get? Uh, Spell Elul backwards. Is it Lule? There you go. Now, Lule, if it means, actually, the word Lule literally means if no, right? Because. Um, you know, Lou means if only, and right. low means no. Right. Lule literally means if only no, if only things were not the way they are. And I heard this teaching from one of my dear friends, Rabbi Eitan Mayer, years ago, and he said that much of the year we live this kind of Lule kind of existence, where we say to ourselves, if only things were not that way, then my life would be so much better, right? If only I got a bigger break at work, I'd be much more successful. If only I was smarter, I'd be further along in my career. If only I had different parents, I wouldn't have such problems, Right. A lot of my students who are not from the observant community, if only I'd been religious, everything would be so much easier for me to be observant. And the month of Elul comes along and tells us we've got to just backwards. Because by definition, we have exactly what we need in life. And I quote the Ramchal, Rabbeinu Moshe Chaim Lutzato, from the 18th century, who taught that the deck of cards each of us has dealt with in life is given to us to challenge us in the precise manner that we need to grow. The challenges that we encounter in life are exactly what we need to accomplish and to actualize our unique potential. And, um, and, and that's, that's Elul. Elul is all about embracing our reality as it is and understanding that, that this was given to us. This is not coincidental. It's not incidental. It's making music with what remains. Uh, do I have time for a quick story? Yeah, I just want to point out, by the way, you say lule, you know, that the word lule... It, it, it seeps into our liturgy during Elul, Lule Hamanti. There you go. Yeah, so you it's, it's it every it, single day. Yeah, every single day I during Elul and beyond. Think about that. Yeah. Go ahead, sir. Quick story um, for sure. No, so I was going to say along those lines. I tell the story about Yitzhak Perlman, who 
uh, you probably know, contracted sure. polio at a very, very young age. Right. He had to wear metal braces his whole life. Right. Anyway, this is this amazing story. When he comes out on stage, he's playing with the New York Philharmonic. He's tuning his violin, and one of the strings snapped. Now, instead of asking for another string or, you know, uh, come out with another uh, violin, a violin has four strings, he continued to play the whole concert on three strings. And when he was done, the crowd gave him this huge standing ovation, and when they asked him, like, what happened? He said, our task is to make music with what remains. That's our job in life, because all of us, none of us get to play a violin with all four strings, if you think about it. All of us have some kind of challenge in life that's keeping us back, that, that we felt like if we could just get around that, everything will be perfect. Now, that challenge is part of our perfection. It's part of what develops us into the people that we're supposed to become. And I think that ill is the time to sort of drop the uh, if only and just embrace the reality as it is and march forward into Yom Kippur. If I only had this, if I only had that. You know what the problem is, Ray Wilds? It takes a lifetime to learn these lessons. That's the problem. Yeah. Although, well, that's why the book is the book's not just for the forty days before. Uh, <laughs> it's beyond uh, that you know. as well, huh? But the, the good thing, yeah. you know, whenever I say that, whenever I say that to people that you know it takes a lifetime to learn all these lessons, I always add an addendum, and that is, but at least at some point we learn them. Because there are a lot of people who go through life and never learn them, and they never internalize yeah. them, and never becomes sure. part of their life. By the way, you've given me an amazing, amazing springboard, and there's no such thing as coincidence. It's incredible that you're on the Thursday before Rosh Chodesh Elul, because as many of our listeners know, this coming Monday, we are starting our Elul Chesed campaign, and we're only doing it because of our success with the Nissan Chesed campaign. Of course, before Pesach, we know the importance of reaching out and doing something for others, Uh, but we're going to be doing something very similar starting next week, and I never knew that Elul was a month of Chesed, a month of love, a month of demonstrating uh, love and affection for our fellow uh, and based on what you're saying, it's really a, a very appropriate, not not that any time of year is not appropriate, but Elul is, in fact, very appropriate to undertake 100%. that. And if we show, what was the whole purpose of the Chesed campaign back in uh, Nissan? Because we were we were focused on the fact that if we show other people that we are there for them, then God's going to be there for us. We don't have 100%. a time. We don't have a time of the year that we want God more there for us than now. Than as we start Elul <laughs> officially, <coughs> officially this coming Sunday night, right, the second day of Rosh Chodesh. So we really want God on our side during this time of year. One of the ways of doing that, I think you'd agree, based on this conversation, is to reach out and to show that we are there for others. Uh, not. By the way, I, I think that's such a beautiful thing to do, and what an appropriate time. You know, we're coming to God and we're saying, listen, Hashem, don't look at us like a, a, a human judge would, balancing, you know, the goods and the bads, because we'll never come out on top. Right. We need chesed from Hashem. We need God to act towards us, midat chesed, you know, and not midat adin. And... Um, you know, if we come to Hashem having done that with our fellow human being, then what a great zuchut, what a great yeah. merit for ourselves. Sometimes I'll look up and say, I'll be there for them. Make sure not to forget me. <laughs> you know, like, and, right, exactly. and, and not that he needs that reminder, frankly, Rabbi Wiles, but, but nonetheless, I feel like it's important for me to verbalize it sometimes. You know? Well, I, I, can, I, can I tell you another quick story? Sure. I have it in the, it's actually the last day, and I call it a, a day 40. Because, you know, every single day there's another little Torah insight. Spoiler, day 40, it's called spo- a broken... Spoiler alert, spoiler alert. <laughs> We're going to the back <laughs> of the book. <laughs> right, so it, I tell this story. It's such a sweet story. It's a true one about 
this guy in Yerushalayim who owns a very fine jewelry store, and this nine-year-old girl walks into the store to buy a bracelet, and she looks through the display case, and she points to one of the most expensive pieces of jewelry, like 16,000 shkala, like, you know, huh. about $4,000 or something. And the owner of the store asks, you know, you want to buy that? And the little girl's like, yeah. Well, you have very good taste. You know, why do you want to buy that? And the little girl says, this is my older sister. And she said, you know, that's very, very nice. But why do you want to buy your sister such an expensive bracelet? And she goes on to say that I don't have a father or mother. And my older sister takes care of all of us. And so we collected all of our money, all of my siblings, to buy her presents. And then she pulls out a handful of coins. And the jeweler counts up about seven shekels and 80 agarot, about $2. And the store owner is just visibly moved and tells the little girl, you're in luck. That's exactly what the bracelet costs. He wraps the gift, and the girl walks out with a big smile with a bracelet. A couple hours later, older sister comes into the store. <laughs> Listen, I'm sorry. <laughs> My little sister shouldn't have taken this bracelet without paying. And, and the owner is like, what do you mean? It's, it's paid in full. And, the, you know, the older sister laughs. Listen, my, my sister can never have afforded such a, a fine piece of jewelry. She paid in full, the owner said, seven shekels, 80 agarot, and a broken heart. You have to understand, he tells the sister, my wife died a few years ago. People come into my store every day to buy these expensive pieces of jewelry, and they can afford it. And your little sister walked in. She wanted to buy something special. She showed me all the money she collected. It was the first time since my wife died, that I remember what it really means to love someone. So I gave her the bracelet, and I wished her well. And it's, it's a beautiful story, but if you think about it, it's not just a sweet story. We're doing the same thing basically with God, right? What do we do? We turn to Hashem on the holiest day of the year, and we ask God, give us good health. Give us a good livelihood for the coming year. And then we reach into our pockets to see what we've got. How are we going to pay for these beautiful blessings that oh, we're asking of Hashem? Wow. And then we realize maybe we have a couple of merits, but not enough to pay for all the things we're asking for. We pull out a few shkalim, a mitzvah here, a mitzvah there, maybe a little Shabbos, some charity to the poor. We went to a few classes, but we don't really have what it takes to pay for the whole thing. And that's the last line of Avinu Malkeinu. We say, have mercy on us, chanenu va'anenu, ki ein banu ma'asim. We don't have enough. We have a few things, but it's not enough. But we have one thing, and that we can never underestimate that one thing, and that's a broken heart. Hashem could never turn away a broken-hearted Jew. And um, Rabbi Wild, you, you, ju- you just changed my Avinu Malkeinu for the Asarisime Tshuva. You just changed my Avinu Malkeinu, and I'm sure many others as well. What an unbelievable comparison. What an incredible story. And if we would just realize that what he gives us is so much more than what we give him. So, Kolokavo to you on your Chesed project. Everybody should get involved because yeah. if you can walk yeah. into Yom Kippur having done some Chesed, yeah. then <clears throat> what a great merit. No question about it. The 40-day challenge, everybody. You could read what the Rambam has to say about Shuva, and you could read what Tom Brady can tell us about <laughs> Shuva. The 40-day challenge is by Rabbi Mark Wilds. Daily Jewish Insights to Prepare for the High Holidays. I am highly recommending it. It is a Kodesh Press release. Kodesh Press is the um, is the publisher, and of course, Rabbi Wilds 
is the head of the Manhattan Jewish Experience. I can't even, I'm not even going to start telling this audience now uh, the work that he has done over so many years to help so many people discover their Jewish roots and their Jewish heritage. Um, It's an incredible effort. We should spend an entire morning just doing that at one time. Uh, maybe at a different time of the year. By the way, Rabbi Wilds, I'm assuming the book's available everywhere, all the traditional online and offline places? Yes. Amazon.com. And, and if anyone's interested, they should go onto the Jewish Experience uh, website, just jewishexperience.org, if you want to get, you want to join the WhatsApp challenge group. I have hundreds of people that have bought the book already, and every single day of Elul, uh, I'm going to give another little insight uh, beyond the what's in that little chapter so we can keep egging each other on um and uh, there's also going to be a phone in i'm going to list that as well at six o'clock every single night there will be a phone in uh uh with a group from chicago called sheer enjoyment i don't know if you ever heard of this (laughs) website that's great uh great line right sheer (laughs) enjoyment and uh i don't even know who this guy is but someone literally calls me out of the blue this guy jake weinstein and he got the book, and he wants to do this, and he's got 1,300 followers out in Chicago, and um, they're going to be every single day learning for about 15, 20 minutes on a phone call, and I'm going to be uh, leading it the first day, and they have other rabbis doing it the subsequent days. So it's really an opportunity. There are these little groups popping up all over the place, Nachum, based on the book. Little is happening. I just went to a wedding last night. A whole bunch of people told me they got the book already, and they're starting Every single day. It's literally a five-minute exercise. You read the entry, answer the challenge question, so it can serve as like a, a personal spiritual diary leading up to, through the Yom and Narayim. And it's a great way not just to show up, but to truly be prepared this year. Yeah, I'm telling you, you're, you're going to change a lot of people's approach into the um, high holiday season. A quick word, you know, you're a Manhattanite. I can imagine the challenges, because, you know, Manhattan doesn't have a lot of space. A lot of people left Manhattan for that reason during covid um, uh, are, are you back in a regular facility for Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, or you have a COVID-type situation? No, no, we've been, uh, I mean, during COVID, we were everywhere and anywhere. Uh, we, we took over Amsterdam Burger. Including, uh, including, the, including Central Park, right? Or Riverside We Park? were in Central Park for yeah. weeks. We were in uh, Talia Steakhouse, any place that had an outdoor area for right. us to dive in. Uh, we have a rooftop also at the Jewish Center. We had to share that with the Jewish Center, so we couldn't always use it. Right. But we're back inside. We've been back inside for months, and I have no intention of going back outside if I don't have to, as long as the CDC does not require us to, uh, right. um, you know, to, to, to be outside. We were last year on West 80. We were in four different Manhattan locations. We had close to 400 people praying with us wow. in Russia. We usually have about six, 700. We had about 400 people outside. It was beautiful, but I have to tell you, it was challenging. Yep. People walking by with their dogs. You know, right through the minion, and uh, um, we're we're planning on being inside in all three of our locations: West Side, East Side, Downtown. Well, uh, and with with one of the best chazanim, with Benjamin Siegel, your own son, who is our downtown chazan, who's incredible. (laughs) I I I, I, I got you. Might be referring to his brother. Because I think Benjamin's going to be on Long Island, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, he, oh, all right. <laughs> so, I'll take him. So we we may we may have. A, I guess you know something. You guess, I guess you know something. I don't. I mean, okay. I, mean, I mean, honestly, I'm trying to get it straight in my own head now, where everyone's going to be. It's impossible to keep track of anybody these days, or my wilds. Right. What can I tell you? Right. Uh, by the way, 
Another benefit to your book, seriously, and by the way, I, I bought this book yesterday for somebody at codeshpress.com, so I want to tell people mm-hmm. that if they want to buy it as a gift for someone, they don't have to go to Amazon. Some people like to, frankly, avoid Amazon, but if they, they mm-hmm. can go to codeshpress.com. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. I, I bought it for someone yesterday as a gift, and it's on its way right now. Um, but you know another thing that I think your book's going to be very helpful with, and you just alluded to this with the whole situation that you and so many others went through with the uh, COVID high holidays last year. I think the book's going to help people get back to shul. I think some people need a little push, a nudge, an urge, a, a little, you know, a little um, a help in, in, in understanding the importance of actually getting back to shul, being part of the minion, going for longer than they originally planned to be there. And I think the book yeah. will people put people in a frame of mind where they're willing to take a little bit more of a risk um, during this whole situation uh, to get the shul to stay there a little longer than uh, than originally planned. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping it will have that effect because I agree with you, Nachum, that psychologically people are not done with COVID and, we, and, and, and people are still reticent. We thankfully, we're probably about half capacity. We used to be about 80 to 100 strong every Shabbos at Arminian. Right. And we're up to probably 40, 50. Um, I really want to get it back to 80, 100. And there is this kind of psychological, um, barrier. I don't know what it is. Barrier? It's a little of a block. Yeah, it's a little yeah. of a barrier. And I'm hoping that some of the sweetness of the Torah is going to penetrate people's hearts and encourage them. I have a great quote here. Uh, I became a little friendly with Nissen Black, you know, the, <clears throat> the rapper. Sure. And um, I mm-hmm. absolutely love him. I had him on my podcast, and he wrote a, uh, a blurb. And, he's, and I put it on the cover. It says, sometimes we're spiritually frozen. This book will fall you out and heat you up. That was Nissen's quote. Spoken like a true um, rapper, huh? <laughs> right, exactly. And uh, yeah, he's, he's amazing. And um, that's what I think. I think we need to be warmed up back to shul. No question about it. Sometimes we are spiritually frozen. This book will thaw you out. And heat you up. Go to kodeshpress.com. Go to amazon.com. The book is by Rabbi Mark Wilds, The 40-Day Challenge. Rabbi Wilds, I could talk to you all day. Uh, <laughs> have a wonderful month of Elul. And, of course, a Shana Tova Umitukai. Happy, healthy, and sweet <clears throat> New Year. Amen. To you as well, to you and your family, to all of your amazing listeners. We should all be blessed. Amen. Be sweet, happy, and good bench to you for everyone. Amen. Thank you so much, Rabbi Mark Wilds, here at JM in the AM.